guys, welcome once again to our second episode of Black History Month. So today we're going to have some really special guests. We're having guests from the International Office, Cultured Community Program, and the Black Alga Student Presidents. You guys can introduce yourselves. Um, hi everyone, my name is Jamie Mbogo. I'm the assistant for Culture to Community. Hi, my name is Adesi Stella Charles, and I am the president for the Black Caucus 2023-2024 semester. Hi, uh, my name is Angela. I'm the International Student Programming Coordinator and Immigration Advisor at Grenfell Campus. Okay, um, so we're going to start with Angela. What are some of the concerns that you think international students have pertaining to immigration status? I guess one of the things that they are concerned about probably is the financial support. Coming to Canada is very expensive. Um, sometimes, for example, before I came to Canada, there was this thing that uh, it made us look that it was very easy to come, that, that Canada was very welcome, that the process was going to be very easy, right? So when I decided to come, I was like, oh no, we have to put all of these documents, we have to uh, include all of these letters, add this and that, right? So like uh, getting some of these documents can be very difficult for some students. Also, uh, when it comes to the whole immigration process, um, just convincing the officer right now that um, you are going to, stay, to, to come to Canada to study and not to do something else, you have to convince them that you're going to go back home. Uh, you have to convince them that you have sufficient money to stay in Canada. Uh, so those are some of the concerns. But I think like the biggest concern now is all the changes that are happening um, around the international uh, uh, study program that Immigration Canada has. So uh, you probably have heard the new CAP. Uh, you have heard the new financial requirements, right? So uh, the new letter, the attestation letter that the students have to uh, provide with the study permit. So those are a lot of concerns, or some of the concerns that at least new international students uh, have. On the issue of permits, uh, what can you say is the major problem in uh, study permits application? For instance, can you explain more on the issue of working hours? The thing is, like, sometimes the students don't understand the difference between working and studying. So, for example, one of the things that the students want to do when they come to Canada is to work, right? Uh, but in terms of the immigration or for the immigration officers, you, like, the students are here to study, not to work. Right, so that is a misconception. Misconception sometimes I think students have, um, and based on many new policies, sometimes can be very confusing the number of hours that the students can work. Um, so I, I think it's very important for the students to to learn what you can do and you cannot do in Canada. So. There are times that there are opportunities for international students out there to work, but there are also conditions in the study permit that allows you for, or uh, don't allow you to work in certain conditions. So like when students come to me and they say like, um, hey, like uh, I would like to work in this. I'm like, okay, let's check your study permit just to see if you are eligible to work in this particular thing, right? Um, and sometimes the students just do it 
um, or for example, students decide to reduce the number of courses that they're doing uh, so they have more time to work. There are um, consequences uh, for doing those things, right? So like um, one of the things is like you will be violating the conditions of your study permit if you become part-time and you want to work, right? You have to make sure that you are allowed to work in Canada. Sometimes the fact that you have a study permit doesn't mean that you can work in Canada, right? Sometimes the students are here and don't have a study permits and they think that they can work. That was my case <laughs> when I came here the first time as an ESL, um, I was going to say teacher, as an ESL student. Uh, I remember going to the YMCA because there was a job uh, and, I, and I had the interview and everything. I didn't pass and I'm glad that I didn't because I didn't know that I needed a study permit in order to work. And I was just like, oh no, yes, I know that I can work. Everybody says that I can work in Canada where to study. That wasn't, I wasn't even allowed to do that, right? So that was very interesting. I learned that years before. I was like, oh, all right, I cannot do that. So, yeah. As all of us came as students at Bertani at a particular time, what are some of the culture shocks that each of us has experienced? Um. Yeah, sure. I, I guess I'll go first. For sure, um, my first culture shock was the language, or rather how everything is pronounced here. It's very different from uh, from back in Nairobi, Kenya. Um, the food also was a very serious point of contention for me. I'm not used to the flavors here yet, and uh, I still get spices from back home just to kind of rekindle that for myself. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think I have a lot of culture shops <sighs> pertaining to Canada because, I mean, it's been a while I left home and I had so many culture shops where I was before. But coming here, one thing that baffled me the most was, and I think... Um, most international students has or have incorporated that thing into them, which I, I find it wrong. Is someone is having a birthday celebration, a birthday celebration or a birthday dinner or anything. And then the person invites his or her friends or their friends out and then their friends have to pay for their meal. I am too African. <laughs> I am too Nigerian. I remember. I am too egotic for that culture. Like, it still doesn't make sense to me why you are the one inviting me out. You're the one that decided that, oh, I want to throw a party for myself. And then when I come, I have to pay for what I eat. Like, hello. I, I, I think sometimes changes. Because <laughs> we have our friends over, like, who have their birthdays, and we pay for their meals. But there are other times, like, if you're going to go somewhere else, and maybe you're not in the best financial situation, we're like, okay, you know, like, it's a little bit different. But I think it depends on the group, really. I, I, I don't think it is. I feel like that's something like my mom warned me about before like coming here. She was like, if somebody invites you out for like lunch or dinner or whatever, just like go with your own wallet. You, you never know what's going to happen. Well, I mean, like if someone invites you for just like lunch, I think that's different. But for your birthday, you're kind of expected, right? So, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, like that depends on the financial situation of a person. For instance, if you don't have money for it, someone can exactly pay for the whole group's dinner or lunch. Yeah. And personally, on my birthday, I was broke. Like, dead broke. Broke, so, same. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, 
like, what I'm saying, why I say there's a culture shock is because it became, apart from international students, right? Like, even the other folks that are around or that are studying who are like indigenous or are Canadian citizens or people of other color, they do it. So, for black people, I, I would say I understand them in quotes because, I mean, we could be broke. I mean, we, we get to be the brokest, I mean, more than more doubt. Well, it's just like we're living on paychecks and all of these things. That is if you have a job. <laughs> but it's a culture shock for me because when you talk about it in certain groups, people are just like, that's now. Why should I have to feed you when you're coming for my dinner? I'm like, okay. Remind me not to come when you let me down. That's very interesting because that hasn't been my experience, right? So, um, I don't know. I think it really depends on the group. Like, you, you know, like if you're good friends, right? Like I have this group of friends. All of them are from here. So, like, uh, that has happened before. Someone is their burden. Like, oh, no, we're going to cover her uh -huh. uh, her food. And then, like, that. Uh, I remember one day we wanted to invite a friend. So we invited everybody. And then we wanted to pay for her food. But then our other friends paid for her food. And we were like, oh, no, now we have to find out another way to celebrate her birthday because that was our plan. But talking about birthdays, a culture... Like culture shock for me is that in Colombia, when we are singing the happy birthday song, we clap. Here people don't clap. And to me that is so weird because like I start happy birthday to you and everybody's just like Why is she clapping? <laughs> yeah, like, what, what is wrong with her? Or in Christmas, for Christmas and New Year's, when it's twelve o'clock, we hug. It's like Happy New Year, and we hug. Or for well, I guess for, for, for New Year's is more normal. But for Christmas, we do. It's like, Happy, Merry Christmas, and we hug. And here's like, Merry Christmas. It's so serious. And I'm like, what? why is not? Why aren't you hugging? Like, yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, that's a culture shock. I also feel like there's a lot of them, more of them. But like, that is the most shocking one for me, actually, because... I don't know whether... Um, I will never celebrate my birthday if I'm broke. <laughs> I have something, but I don't know if it counts as a culture shock, but I'm just going to say it. So back in Kenya, we drive like uh, how you would in the UK on the opposite side of the road. Mm. And when I came here, every time I was going to enter a car with a friend, I kept going to the driver's seat because that's pretty much where I'm actually used to sitting. <laughs> it took me a second to like digest. Even when I went back home this time around, and came back, I was pretty confused again. Oh, wow. Mm. That's actually true. For instance, like the same thing happens in Tanzania. So when I went back home in December, I was doing the same thing. Like, instead of heading to the passenger seats and being a passenger princess, you're, like, heading to the driver's seat. My mom used to be like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, sorry. I go back to the <laughs> passenger seats. <laughs> so it's really hard to get used to it, especially if you're driving both in... Tanzania and in Canada? I think that one thing that all of us can agree, at least living here in Cornerbrook, is that one of the most difficult things for us as just international people is our food, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Like, you, even when you go to the international section at Dominion, that is just one aisle, is not sufficient. You have even like, for the foods that we see that tend to be more like Asian foods, mm -hmm. uh, it's not even enough. It's just, it's just a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. For example, at least I, there is only one Colombian thing that I can get in that aisle. It's just and it's flour, 
And sometimes when I get fruit, I get very excited when I see fruit. And then I get um, less excited when I see the price of the food, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's really hard. Like, that's, that's one of the hardest things I want to say, definitely. Yeah. I've definitely not been able to find anything. Wow. Nothing Kenyan here. From your culture? No. I can speak from Jamie's experience because we share the same food types. That is true. Because when you go to Dominion or Coleman's, or I think Sobeys has like a few international foods, they mostly pertain to Asian foods, not yeah. exactly international foods. Yeah. If I speak for Nigerians, I feel like we see our food here, like not exactly our food, but we always know how to substitute things that we find, right? Like, I mean, I'm not Yoruba, right? But I'm dating a Yoruba man and there's this leaf that they normally use to cook a particular soup. And I've seen it in the Asian market before. Just that it has another name. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. No, I didn't see it in Dominion. I saw it in the Asian market. Uh, it's West Republic. Somewhere. Okay. So it's like, it's different. It's same thing, but it's not just called the same name. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But it's the same thing. Yeah. So maybe not all the tribes in Nigeria can see their... Um, food stalls or all these things here, but at least a certain number can. That is nice. Yeah, I mean, and sometimes we are mostly used to eating, like, like making our um, tomato-based stew. So it's like, okay, we're going to eat tomato-based stew with rice, with spaghetti, with black-eyed beans, with... So you recycle the, the stew with a lot of other, um, with a lot of carbohydrates or different carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. So, as an international student, there are a lot of constraints that hinder one's success. What are some of the constraints you all have faced since coming to Canada? When you say constraints, what do you mean? Like, For instance, what is something that's not making you achieve your objectives? Or, okay, personally, I'll give my own example. For me, the thing that's hindering my life is... When I came to Canada, the life was different from Tanzania. So staying here for one year, like it caused me a lot of problems, health-wise, mental-wise, physical-wise, and everything else. So I developed like anxiety, depression, things like that. And treating it as a problem here, you can hint on the things like health insurance, like medicine, life in general, like friends, those kind of things. I- I think I could start. Um, No one really talks about how hard winter is, especially if you've never experienced a winter before. Seasonal depression is real. It is is very real. And, um, you know, again, as Mona Lisa said, there's not enough, like, platforms where we're actually talking about this. Um, Even generally just moving around in the winter, like, it's almost next to impossible. I would also say uh, mobility. Like, if you... Especially, like Jamie said, if it gets to winter and you are not mobile, <laughs> you're as good as... And if you're not living off campus. Because <laughs> technically, this town, if you don't have a car... Like, if I, if the law allows me to be in Canada and take all my courses for all my years studying there, I will do it. Because I, for one, stay off campus. My choice, yeah, it's my choice. I, I mean, I've never been an advocate. I've never loved living on campus. 
no matter how fine the couple is, who's their life is, but it's not something I like. But what I'm now saying is, Colabrook has limited transport services. The bus runs from what time to what time. It comes like maybe once in a like some days they don't work, some weeks they don't work. Weekends, some statutory holidays they don't work, so it's like I don't know. Being like someone that I've lived in, um, like I was born in Nigeria, raised in Nigeria, lived in Nigeria, and then I left to Europe. And things were pretty easy. You could assess the boss, you could do this, you can assess this, you can assess that. But when coming here, or when I came here, it was different. Like till now, I don't know how to assess the boss system. I think it's very different in Newfoundland because um, when I first came here, I stayed here for about nine months and then I hopped on a plane to Vancouver and the excitement on my face when I saw a bus. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because I, wrote because I stayed in St. John for like two months or three months and there was buses. Um, yeah. There were buses, sorry. So it was pretty accessible, but I would say, I mean, maybe Newfoundland, honestly, because I mean, but I feel like Conorbrook and other small towns like Stevenville and all of those places. I don't think Stevenville has transportation. Stevenville. I don't think I could no. be wrong, but I don't think so. I don't know. I I've been Stevenville just like Stevenville, sorry, like for three hours maximum. I just go three to school for like thirty. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're right. Like transportation is definitely an yeah. issue. Um, and it's an issue that has been addressed before. Uh. But I think it's like, you know, like the students, it would be nice, like, you know, like that your voices in terms of like not having transportation need to be heard, right? Um, but yeah, like um, the winter definitely is, is really hard. And, and yeah, there is seasonal depression. I mean, you don't see the sun <laughs> for no. like days. When I see the sun, I'm like, doesn't matter how cold it is. I just want to <laughs> go outside and, you know, get some sun. Um, but yeah, definitely, if you're not used to that, it's, it's really hard. People don't think that, you know, you, you think about like, oh, it's going to be cold. And it's not just that, right? Yeah. Um, and when you live on campus, you have the advantages of not shoveling and not moving around much. But like, if you live off campus, you're like, oh, it's like there's a winter storm. And then you have like 20 centimeters of snow. And then you have to shovel that. And you don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, it's a lot, I would say. It's really a lot. Because, hmm, talking about it, like, not just as an international, but as a black person, it is where it is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It's very overwhelming. Yeah. Because then you're just like, man, do I really need to go out? I mean, there was one time that we had um, the whole snow pack up in front of our house. And we had um, classes that day. Going to stay inside, and this snow will look at you, and you will look at the person. <laughs> I think. Um, I think our landlord came that night, and he just came and helped us and did it. And we were just like, "Wow, very good." <laughs> and it's just, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think on a more professional scale, like I've met a couple of people who, like, have a lot of experience, like back in their fields at home, who aren't really able to translate that experience here. And I've had my own personal experience um, just this past summer when I was in Vancouver. I had my last name on my resume, which is, a, I, you know, identifiably a pretty African name. And 
I didn't get any interviews for any jobs. And the moment I switched to my middle name, which is pretty, pretty English, I started getting calls for interviews. And, you know, just little, little things like that makes you wonder how the job market actually is and whether, you know, ethnic names aren't being considered and, you know, just a couple of things like that. Or just call it what it is, how racist people are. Yes, right? <laughs> that's what, exactly what it is. Racist and xenophobic because they, when they see a name, right, like, it's not like so English, immediately like, oh, no, this person probably like one is an immigrant maybe yeah. uh two they we don't know their situation yeah. and just we don't want this type of people here like there's a lot of racism behind that right yeah i think there's also one that we can like all relate on um especially if you've gone back home some people think that you make millions of dollars when you come to canada yeah. <laughs> but they don't realize you're also spending those millions of dollars in canada so do you even make them? That's the do question. we even make them? It's a better question. Like, I mean, it was pretty, pretty. I mean, I think Angela knows the story. It was pretty hard for us to get a job when we just came. Yeah. Not because we're here to work. We're actually here to study. But like, I mean, <laughs> you gotta survive. Have you converted exchangers? Have you? It's crazy. Uh, so it's like when you go for an interview, maybe you give them everything they need for the interview. Like you answer your questions or you, like you have been interviewed and you can clearly see that you did a good job. And you see that's like, ah, sorry, we've not caught you. It's because this is someone better than you. Hello, good morning. Like, why did you make me waste my transport to this place, man? If you know you're not going <laughs> to give me this job. It's just like, it's, it's a lot of thing, honestly. It's a lot. And the whole name pain is another thing. Like, they say, write your first name, middle name and then last name in africa we write last name first and all i don't know but in nigeria we write so in nigeria is charles adesi stella not adesi stella charles i don't know if you understand so you have to yeah. switch it back so that is still hard i mean i have problem with alef or twice because of that i'm always putting charles first because i mean that's the way i've been and then i come here and they say your first name first your middle name and then your last name I, I think there are a couple of things that we have to change that doesn't necessarily, um, you know, it's not that we have to change, we have to adjust ourselves to certain things, right? Like, when we move to a new country, we don't have to change ourselves, right? Uh, but we do get to use to other things. So just for example, okay, my last name doesn't go first, it's my name, right? Those type of things. I think like in terms of like finding employment is a good idea just to to learn about like the the market in in the place where you live right because uh -huh. it's very different like the way that we do things here in Canada and the way that we do things back in Colombia in terms of just like an interview they're extremely different you um, just just as an example in the position that I currently have I have to wait a long time just to know just to hear back from a decision and I was like ah did I get it? Didn't I get it? Like, I don't know, right? And it's because that's the process. Sometimes you have to wait until the deadline um, has passed. You have to wait until every single person has been interviewed. You have to wait for reference check. You have to wait for a lot of things. So sometimes getting a job can be like two months, right? While back home probably is just like, okay, you get the interview, they tell you yes and no, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's, it's very fast. And it's like, then they even call you in the afternoon and say, okay, are you ready? Are you available for the job? And like, yeah, I'm available. And they say, okay, tomorrow, bring these documents to, and do this and that. And then you start on Monday and it's Friday, <laughs> right? So 
it is a big culture shock, and then there are things that we, we, we have to get used to those things, but we don't necessarily have to change ourselves in order to, you know, get to, to adjust ourselves a little bit to certain things. Um, for me personally, it's getting internships. Like, I've been applying for internships for the summer since September last year, and every email that I open, it's, I'm sorry, we'll not go through with this application. I'm sorry. Uh, you're rejected, like those kind of things. And I wish at a point the school could play a part in helping us see internship opportunities because it's really hard for one to do research by yourself and at least tell us what you need, like documents that you need when you're applying for internships. Because some people may be like, oh, you're not exactly permitted or you're not exactly legalized to do internships. So, and there's no exactly a platform for people to help with internship applications because it's stressful to do it by yourself because you need the professional side you need like someone to look over your cover letters your resume your everything your transcripts even if the job is in another city someone can actually help you understand like the whole process of application and not just telling the person oh you can just start applying for internships it's like really easy it's a to z it's not exactly a to z so I'm going to give a shout out here to Thomas Young. He's actually in this uh, whole field you're talking about, AS271. And uh, yeah, he's a really good uh, person to talk to. And, but, but the other thing that you guys need to consider is the type of program that you're doing, right? Uh, because there are programs that require internships. There are others that don't, right? So, like, if you want to gain more experience on you, in your field, yeah, doing this type of summer programs is just like instead of being an internship, it's more like a job, right? That gives you the experience for the program. But like, Grenfell, so far, so there are certain programs that don't have internship, but like, you you can do an internship, but it's not part of your program, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's a little bit of the difference, right? That in in, in certain things that we need to be aware and and those go by going back to one of the first questions I think I have my memory is terrible but like one of the the, the things that uh, students think that they can and cannot do right so like if you're always in doubt you can always come to us and ask us hey like what about this can I do all of this with my pro I have plans for this right and sometimes like you have to change plans because any happens to everybody not necessarily like just international students who are here. Like, it, it happens to a lot of people. They're like, you know what, the, the thing that I'm studying is not actually what I want to do. Maybe I should change. So, like, I'm not saying that you have to change. <laughs> but, um, you know, you can always ask. Like, like people who work at, for example, student services, your professors, mm -hmm. all of these people, you can ask all of these questions, right? Like, we are supposed to be there to help you guys. Not, we're not supposed to, you know, like, say, no, we cannot help you, right? Of course, there are certain things that we can and we cannot do, right? Um, what is the C2C program about? All right. So C2C in long form culture to community is an education outreach program. So what we do is we go around schools in the Newfoundland English School District from K to 12, talking about equity, diversity, inclusion and anti-racism. And what are the benefits of someone doing or participating in the C2C program? So there's multiple benefits to this. You, first of all, get the microaggression training, which is pretty fantastic. It's ultimate opportunity to get a police clearance certificate. Um, you get to interact with the community directly. You get to travel around different places in Newfoundland, 
Um, volunteering is generally a pretty rewarding thing too. Plus this counts in your more, uh, th through the um, more platform. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and just to add like, um, having the experience to go to schools, there are certain programs that are offered at Cranfield that sometimes, uh, you know, students would like to do something else. And those type of things are, for example, teaching, right? So if you are ever interested in teaching, or maybe you, you never thought about teaching, but you go and do the volunteer, and then you realize that you like working with children, maybe that's another like career pathway that you didn't think about, and then you're like, hmm, this is pretty cool. Maybe this is something that I can do. And volunteering is also a really good um, option if you want to build your resume, right? Like uh, the first job that I, I got in Canada was because I volunteered somewhere else. And uh, I was like, okay, now I have a supervisor, right? I'm, I'm volunteering, but I have a supervisor, and that person can talk on my behalf and say, yes, Angela can do this and this and that, but she did this, so she was great, or maybe no, she wasn't. <laughs> I don't know, but like uh, that is an, another benefit that uh, people who uh, volunteer with Culture to Community get. Yeah, and I know sometimes, you know, um, you hear Culture to Community and it feels like it's only for a certain demographic. No, the program is open to both local and international students and we encourage everybody to come in and participate. I'll just give a little brief rundown of how a day in the classroom will look like. Every visit is different, I'll say that. There's no one same experience, but typically our sessions last for about an hour. So we start with a sharing circle. Um, the students get to know a little bit more about us and we get to know a little bit more about them too. And then we get into an activity. Um, we have set activities in our lesson plans all the way from K to 12. After the activity, depending on the class, we'll either have a second activity or we'll have a craft session. And then towards the end, we have a little bit of a Q&A if they want to just ask a little bit more because, you know, you, you meet international people or you meet people from elsewhere and you kind of want to know, oh, how is it where you're from? What are some of the events that are planned for Black History Month? Well, for the reminder of Black History Month. <laughs> uh, I would like to say uh, Black History. I, I will answer your question, but before I answer that, I would like to say Black History Month is a month of months. I'll put it that way. I say it is a month that we are supposed to use, we're supposed to use the opportunity to make a statement as black people anywhere we find ourselves in the world. You know, back home, I keep saying this anywhere I go to, back home, we're all black, so we don't get to celebrate it. I mean, like, what the hell? Just, <laughs> what's going on? Yeah. But when we move out of our um, countries or our locals, we go to another place, or when we now transfer to another place, it's a big deal. It's like, well, what are you doing for Black History Month? What are you doing to tell us that you're a black person, you know? It's like they just know that you're a black person by seeing your skin color. But our blackness is different from skin color. I mean, there is more to black community than the skin color. We're resilient people. We are empowered people. We are people from wealth. I remember that there's something that my father always says, hey, what the wise man came and did in our lands 500 years ago is why we are still suffering as black people. And it's true. 
because if you go back through history you will see that almost all our suffering started after post-colonization and for that the black history month for this year in greenfield campus we have organized so many events some has started some has happened and some are yet to happen we've done the big sale we've i mean we've acquired an amount of money we've gotten some contributions where people like come and buy what we are selling and what we baked we have another big sale coming up which is sometime this week and this is going to be basically what we enjoy back home with as black people so people from the um, Caribbean, people from Africa, people from the Latinos, like I mean, everywhere that the blackness is known. So the big sale is going to happen this week. We also had something called the Pyjamas Party. And we also have the, we also had the Intercultural Sports events where I think that is one event that I have seen students unite and be happy without grudges. It looked very fun. Yeah, it was fun, I would say. Like, I mean, I, I don't get to attend a lot of events because I live off campus, so once I'm home, I don't feel like going to any other place. But that event, I will say it again. It is one event that I saw students come together, had fun, and spoke about the fun they had, and they are still speaking about it. So it is something I would say that this tenure has achieved so far. Even though there are more events, like the cultural excellence, black cultural excellence, where we are trying to have people from different places showcase their cultures, showcase their, what is blackness? That is going to come up sometime this month or <laughs> next month because, I mean, the dates are very shaky, but those are the events that has been planned out so far. And those are the events that we plan to achieve, and those are the events we plan to make statements with as black people in Cornerbrook. I'm not going to say Greenfield, because if we have different groups celebrating Black History Month, it's going to be a confusion. It's already at the back of, it's, there's a stereotype that black people are not united. We, it's not like we're not united. I think most of us are busy with what we call our priority than the actual unity of being black people and coming together to spearhead a space or come together to make a space grow. So that's why it's going to be a black cultural excellence for people in Cornerbrook. I mean, it will mostly come from students from Greenfield Campus and CNA because that's where the students are and that's where we get to meet each other and everything. But there are workers here, there are visitors here and all of those things. So that's, those are the events that we have planned out and we're going to have fun we've been having fun we've been having a great time and I mean this is one like I, I mean for this Black History Month this is another event that leadership has there's something leadership has taught me I know some people forget that leadership is actually leading for people to follow or people actually showing up for the people you claim that you want to lead. But people forget that leaders are also humans. We have personal problems, right? I mean, but at all point, people are saying, you need to show up. You need to be there. Listen, you are the leader. You are this, you are that. You need to show up. 
So sometimes, I mean, I'm not going to cover here and say everything that is going on with the team and everything, but sometimes the team is overwhelmed, but we also, we always show up. We always come out. In Takoko's event, I, I, I was not feeling too good that night. I was like, you know what, I'm going to be there. I don't care. So some of those things are things that like, when I look at it, and when I see the happiness that comes after it, you want to do more. I don't know. I, do, I hope I didn't confuse people with what I just said, but that's what I'm saying. Like the big sale, we have people complimenting us, saying, oh, it was really nice, the baking, the, the, the bakes, the things, the pastries were nice, do more things. And we had to run, what, a three-day bake sale, or what? A three-day bake sale. We, we were hoping that whatever remains today, we will sell tomorrow. But every new day, we had to bake. So it's not like, oh, there were returns from what, what we left yesterday. So every time those things happen, every time there's an outcome, a good outcome, it, like, it pushes you to do more. Mm-hmm. So Black History Month. Happy Black History Month, folks. Happy Black History Month, guys. And I hope everyone's looking forward to the activities that are planned by the black community on campus and in Cornerbrook. Thank you all for being here and sharing your ideas and information on your own experience. And you are welcome to thank attend you. the events of the Black Caucus. I'm going to put that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> tell a friend to tell a friend. Okay. Thank you.